York and Chapel presents Brands That Matter, the weekly podcast that explores companies whose products, policies, or practices make the world a better place. Now here's your host, John Rare. Welcome to Brands That Matter. Joining me today is Echelon Materials founder and CEO, Bob Muller. Bob, thanks for joining us. Bob, you guys have created what is really, in my opinion, a revolutionary new ballistic fabric, Titec. But before we get into Titec, really want to hear about you and how you got in this crazy business. <laughs> uh, after graduating Georgia Tech, I went into the defense industry. Um, was lucky enough to get a really nice job with uh, then Bendix, soon to be allied, now Honeywell where they were taking a, a division in upstate New York and moving it to Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and I just fell into the role of the quality lead on the transition team. So as a product line was transitioning from Sydney, New York, I would spend some months in Sydney learning how they did it, saying what needed to go on the truck, getting on the truck, and unloading it and telling the guys in Jacksonville what needed to be done. So an engineer by trade, how, how did you get involved in engineering? Was this a thing where were you the kid that was with the erector set putting stuff together all, all the time? How'd that, how'd that all play out? Yeah, I just, you know, when I was looking at colleges, I just took an inventory and said, I'm good at this, I'm not good at that. Um, and it pointed directly to an engineering school versus a liberal arts. You know, they're both fine institutions, but it's different ways of learning how to learn. And the, the technical school talk to my my strengths so wasn't planning on going to georgia tech but got in visited it was a nice town decided to go nice so the you know and I, I noticed some of the products you've even made before tie tech they solve for issues that actually they they benefit law enforcement they have a clear application that can save lives is that something that early on was of interest to you or did you stumble into it i'm always curious you know I, I saw some of the products you'd, you'd invented prior to, also super revolutionary with a, with a great life-saving potential. Did you wake up and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make stuff that's going to change the world, save lives, or with, is that just a byproduct of the thought process of the things you came up with? Oh, no, unfortunately, I'd call it a byproduct. That's how engineers are trained. We're, we're trained to see problems and develop solutions to them. My senior design project was a stair-climbing wheelchair. It's a still still a valid design. Uh, I lucked into the to the Bendix job, learned a lot about manufacturing, which clearly engineering is all about. And from there, it's just oh, I see a problem. Here's how to fix it. Ah. You know, how can we work on that? Right. Um, my my first my, my first uh, uh, self made funded project was a a, a battering ram for doors because I saw cops having issues. And uh, from there, the rest is history. Hmm. So did that get you involved in with, with the law enforcement community? And, and, and did that thought process then take you down the road for TyTech? Yeah, I mean, I mean the logical once, – once I left uh, uh, United Technologies, uh, where I dealt with military, uh, you talk to law enforcement, military, they're very similar, very, very similar. They're guys who go where most of us won't. They run into fire. Um, so it's a similar mindset. So having left, coming out of the military defense industry, going into law enforcement products was just a natural segue. So going from that to ballistic fabric, 
What made you think that you could make better ballistic fabric than what's currently out there now? Well, the North Hollywood Bank of America shootout honestly angered me. And every rifle incident since angered me. I mean, it's why can't we stop this round? And, uh, you know, I wasn't, can't, can't say I was a textile guy, I'm a mechanical engineer. I can't say that I'm a, a, a bullet guy or an armor guy or a gun guy. Uh, but I looked at the bullets. You know, I, I looked at, I literally sectioned a bunch of rifle bullets. And it dawned on me the geometry of the rounds are what is the answer. You know, everybody's trying to stop a bullet on its nose. And to do that, you need a lot of, a huge counterforce, especially for rifle rounds. Huge, huge counterforce to to deform a pointy tip. Um, don't try. And that's counterintuitive. Don't try. You know, attack at it from a different angle. And when I realized we're looking at a cone, you cut the, the edge of a cone and the cone collapses. So, yes. So take a step back just for our listeners and tell them the difference between what conventional body armor now does and what it's able to stop as opposed to what Tytech can do and what a difference that can make. Well, the issue with any armor, body, vehicle, whatever, is weight. I mean, there's certain other elements, but predominantly it's weight. And the the greater the threat, the more material you, you need to counter it. It kind of makes sense. Well... A couple of years back, DuPont <clears throat> invented Kevlar, very strong fiber, and they got the idea of weaving it together and shooting bullets at it. And it worked. It worked against blunt nose handgun rounds, which were predominant threats at the time. Um, it works by being able to put enough fibers on the blunt nose to deform it and tumble it. Um, it won't work with rifles because of the little teeny tiny tip, which just you can't put enough fibers on it before the fibers are just pushed aside and the round goes through unimpeded. The only way to make the fibers so they don't get pushed aside is to pack them so tight and so dense that effectively you get what, what the layman would consider a, a fiberglass plate. Okay, There's no room for the fibers to move, ergo things should stop. Well, the logical extension of that is a, is a plate, metal plate, a ceramic plate. And the current state of the art is a ceramic plate that's backed with fused fibers. And everything self-reinforces. The, the, the ceramic is the extreme strength. The fibers behind it support the ceramics all the way back. Uh, but it's still stopping the tip by applying a huge counterforce on the nose of the tip. And... You still get a heavy, heavy package, a very heavy package, which is rigid. It digs into you. You, you sweat underneath it. Uh, if you're sitting down, the back plate digs into your back. If you're sitting in a cruiser, the front plate falls onto your femoral arteries, puts your, puts your feet to sleep. Uh, even if you get out of the car and all, all is fine and well, tr- good luck trying to run down a suspect. Yeah. That, well, look, we all know cops, and I, I've got friends who are police officers, and they'll tell you, yeah, look, I understand this thing could save my life, but I can't believe I have to wear it for 10 hours. Yeah. And they're heavy, they're, yeah. they're, they're restrictive, and they just look incredibly uncomfortable because they are. They're they gigantic. Are. They are. They are. I know people in the military with the military plates that <laughs> literally fall out of the Humvee when they get out um, because of the... the, the awkwardness because of the weight right so you can augment a conventional 
uh, vest with steel plates. And is that currently what, what is the norm for military and or like if I see a SWAT team, they seem to have a beefier vest on. Is that essentially a conventional cop's vest with metal plates put in? Yes. Uh, sometimes metal, which aren't the best because they can cause ricochets. The round can actually bounce off. On uh, certain angles, it can bounce off into your throat. Other angles, it bounces off into your partner. Other angles, it bounces off into the civilian, none of which you want. Um, military has a ceramic plate that tends to capture. Uh, but, yeah, they basically use a ceramic plate inside a vest in front of the fibers that will stop handgun rounds. Okay. So Bob Muller, the engineer, identifies that this is crazy that our law enforcement folks have to have, have to tote around. all. How much extra weight do you think that – that a fully loaded vest. Uh, a what, big, what's a big that guy way? can have a 50-pound vest. Yeah, that's crazy. Imagine, <laughs> imagine just picking up 50 pounds and carrying it around all day. Oh, yeah. So you sit down to say there's got to be a better way, and that's where we find TyTech. Explain to us exactly what that is and, and, and what TyTech does and how it's designed. Well, TyTech uses little sharp titanium rings. I call them discs. Patent attorneys have various words for them. But bottom line is they're discs. And the way we make them, there's a sharp edge on the cylindrical face of the disc. Uh, they're, they're a quarter of an inch in diameter. They're 30 thousandths of an inch thick. That's 10 sheets of paper thick. Um, and on the cylindrical face, there are two sharp edges on each of the corners. And instead of aligning them to the face on to the round, I align them so that they're edge on to the round. So when the round comes in, it's pushing all the beads together against that cutting edge. So it's using the cutting edge to stack all the beads up. Well, eventually they're going to stack up and that cutting edge is going to do what it's intended to do, which is to cut into the round. It's not going to cut. It's not going to touch the tip. It's not designed to touch the tip. Let the tip come in, take the flanks, like like those fibers, we don't let – there's not enough room for the beads to stack up to let the round come through. They stack up just enough to attack the flank, and they cut it to shreds. In our in our first test, we took a, uh, a 308 bow tail, which is the equivalent of a round that the, uh, the AK-47 shoots. And uh, we actually mistested it. We, we tested it at 5 meters because we came out of the soft armor world, not, not – 15. So it's the difference between about 15 feet to 50 feet. Um, and when we shot this 308 bow tail, the biggest piece we found in the armor pack was the size of a 17 caliber BB. There was a, a gray spray in the pack, and I originally thought it was automotive primer, and it was actually lead dust. So it, from just, the it just shredded the round. It just vaporized it. Um, and that's that's right there. It. I mean, yeah, you got steel core rounds, you got this, you got that, you got the other. Um, but every bullet has to have a soft coating. Every bullet has to have it because if you don't have it, when they go down the barrel, you'll eat the barrel of the gun. So if you have a high hard steel bullet going down a high hard steel barrel, the barrel will die. The gun will die. That's not desired. You have to have a soft component, and it's that soft component we attack. All we have to do is give that bullet a tug. It turns sideways. The, the fibers going down one side of the bullet is, are no longer balanced by the fibers going down the other. Lots of fiber presentation. Bullet stops. So the sample you showed me looked like 
medieval chainmail to some degree, <laughs> which I thought was really cool looking. Um, but what impressed me was how flexible it was and how light it is. So when and I know you're you're, you're not a vest manufacturer, you're making the materials, of course, for the vest. But a vest made with Titec. How? What would be the weight for something like that as opposed to what we talked about, that fully loaded 50-pound vest? Oh, we think we can get it down to 10 to 12 pounds. Oh, that's amazing. And fully flexible. Right. And because it is a fabric, it can go around the side of the stomach. It can go up on the collarbones like normal. And cover those parts that would otherwise be vulnerable and exposed. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because yeah, what, what I've noticed just from watching the news is there are plenty of incidents that I've seen where police officers have been shot. They're wearing vests, but they're shot in, like, the, the, the four-inch spot that's not covered by any material at right. all. Right, right. So, I mean, you have a, a plate in the front and a plate in the back. That's all fine and well for the front and the back, but sideways, you're, you're fully exposed. Someone mm-hmm. comes in, you know, to your left or to your right, those plates aren't going to help you. Right. This gives you better coverage. So... From what I understand, this is so new and the idea is so revolutionary, there's no machine right now that can make this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got into the textile business. Um, yeah, we, we thought that there was a way to make this in the, in the existing technology, and needless to say, there was not. Uh, you have, we, we have 70 little tiny beads per square inch. Okay, so that's... that's uh, that's 4,000 beads per minute along the roll. It's 16 million beads in a 100-yard-long roll. Um, and each one is supported by two threads. We, we don't, you know, you mentioned chain mail. Chain mail is interlocking rings, and each ring has a round cross-section. Um, <clears throat> we don't do that. We, we weave our beads into the plane of the fabric using the Kevlar that comprises the fabric itself. Fabrics have threads in the machine direction called warp threads and then threads in the cross machine direction called weft threads. And the warp goes up and down and the weft goes back and forth and you get the fabric that's on the shirt on your back. Okay. Well, at each one of those crossovers of warp and weft, we have a bead. So on a 64-inch wide roll, which is our target, we have 640 beads that we need to get a thread through, the weft thread. But along a 100-yard roll, we have 25,200 beads that we got to get a warp thread through. That was impossible Um, until our defense industry engineers, friends of mine from the defense industry, signed on, helped helped me design this. We designed the loom to do that. So every one of our beads is supported by the two threads. And because the threads are the plane of the fabric and they're going through the bead, the bead is orientated... 90 degrees to it, the edge on, and it works. And this will allow you to be able to scale production up to where you need it to be. Yes. To, okay. Yeah. So we needed, we, we, we designed a loom, we prototyped a loom. Um, as things go, we've, we've perfected the design. And now it's time to go build a single production loom and start delivering this product. And you've got a crowdfunding project that's up and running to help fund this. The, the, the construction of the loom? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, we, we're turning to law enforcement. We're, we're focusing on the law enforcement because I think there's the guys we're going to hurt. We're going to help first. Okay. Um, they're, they're the ones who are going to be the first recipients of the vests, the shields, uh, and even the backpacks 
that, that will protect them from rifle fire. Uh, just just the past week in Pittsburgh, guy was shooting rifle. Guys got shot by rifle. Four cops, uh, and that makes one pause. I mean, it's just that's human nature. You, know, you you can try to train them out of it, but you know, y- if they're protected, you cover their you you cover that concern. If they if they have a reasonable chance of going home each night, the, the public is better served. Sure. Well, we'll put – I know you have a, an Indiegogo campaign, and we'll put a link in the show notes to the campaign so folks can go right to it. I, I've – you know, I, I can't think I, – I can't believe there's a cop or a cop's wife out there or a hu- cop's husband who wouldn't want to contribute to this campaign. I mean, th- this thing is a complete game-changing product that directly impacts that community. Yes. Yeah, that's why we're in this. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. So. What kind of perks are you putting up there on the Indiegogo page? Uh, we're, we're putting a bunch of perks up, uh, you know, coffee cups, uh, stickers. Those are, those are just for people who are interested and want to help. Um, we're offering a bulletproof backpack. Um, you know, we, we looked at them a long time ago. Most of them won't stop rifle. Those that do are so heavy. Your children can't put their books in them. Uh, be nice to have a backpack that will protect from rifle. Uh, we're here in Connecticut. That's what was happening in Newtown rifle. And most of the backpacks out there, wouldn't wouldn't have protected it at all. Uh, a backpack with our material will stop rifle, and in a lightweight form, you, so you can carry your books. Uh, of course, we're going to do police body armor with that protection. We're also going to do a, a folding shield that's twenty inches by thirty inches um, with rifle protection, and of course, then we're going to have a few in there for people who make the armor uh, or, or you, you mentioned before and i want to stress this we're not going to go make backpacks vests shields okay we're going to sell our material to people who are already doing that they're experts at it they know how to do it they're going to have to figure out our material which is designed to just dovetail right into their manufacturing processes and then you know they're going to do their testing this is something they're going to want to sell because it's a quantum increase in protection without the associated increase in weight and discomfort. And, and when they've done their R&D, we're going to buy the first vests or backpacks or shields so we can deliver our perks. So, Oh, great. Now, I, I imagine this has other applications other than those. Um, can you share a little bit about what some of the other applications for TyTech might be? Sure. I, I mean, TyTech, <laughs> I, I joke around that it's really good at removing rust from metal. <laughs> Okay, uh, but I don't think that's a logical uh, application. The much the, the, the logical applications are anywhere where a conical rifle round is part of the threat matrix. So where is that? Well, armored vehicles. Uh, uh, I, I have one guy making uh, uh, armored furniture for airports hmm. that is dying to get his hand on some Titec. Um, uh, you wouldn't be you'd be surprised on how many executive. Uh, office spaces actually have armor in the doors, in the desks, uh, in the walls. Um, it, it, you know, Sikorsky, Sikorsky, and I don't know if we want to mention Sikorsky, uh, they're interested in it. Uh, a five-cent bullet can bring down a $20 million helicopter. That doesn't seem, you know, good. Uh, so, yeah, anywhere where... Rifle rounds are part of the threat matrix. Yeah, and from what I understand, taking conventional armor and applying it to some of those things is just 
it adds so much weight that yeah. it's virtually impossible. I mean, you, helicopters won't fly. Exactly. Oops. Oops. Yeah. Car has to have a bigger engine to move around twice as much weight. Yeah. So this yeah. this could definitely change that whole. Oh yeah. I mean, you can make a hot rod armored car. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. How many people would want one of those, Puff Daddy? <laughs> so. Uh, well, great. Well, we'll I, I'd like to encourage all of our listeners to go to the Indiegogo page. Again, there'll be a link in the show notes. Um, anything else you want to tell the folks about TyTech, Bob? No, we're just asking for a little little support so we can start protecting guys who come and protect us. Yeah, this is, this is a product that, I mean, the show's name, Brands That Matter, like this is something that impacts so many people that I can see this very quickly becoming the industry norm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, these are guys who come on your worst day, okay? <laughs> and I want them to go home, so it's not their worst day. Great. Bob Muller from Echelon, thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. Appreciate, Appreciate you being here. Join us next week for another episode of Brands That Matter. And please, leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about York and Chapel, visit yorkandchapel.com. <laughs>